Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shy hearts welcome to episode 60 something of meet us at molly's 64 64 of meet us at molly's um brenda what the hell just happened i don't know I we just watched the Chicago PD season finale just like you did, and Shyhards, we're lying. We've already seen the finale. You know we've seen the finale, but the reaction is still the same. What the hell just happened? Yeah, I I, I I'm speechless. I st- I still don't. I, like we're gonna talk about this episode, but I still don't know what I think about it. I yeah, I still don't know what I think. I still haven't processed no we've had a lot longer to think about it than the people listening to it have no right right but that's why we wanted to drop this episode immediately after the finale aired so that instead of taking your rage out on twitter which we know some of you are doing which is perfectly okay we wanted you to kind of like commiserate with us first but yeah i don't know so we're going to skip the news tonight. We're going to skip the normal stuff because we're just going to dive right into this finale. Because, I mean, I would I want to say, OK, so where does this rank for you in terms of finales or PD finales in terms of like gut wrenching, crazy horribleness? I mean, OK, and this is something we're going to talk about because I kind of talked about it a little bit in my preview article for Talk Nerdy. I think the first five minutes are, like, gut-wrenching, you know, just as gut-wrenching as Justin Poit, as Jin, as, you know, all these other things. Parts of it are anticlimactic. Not gonna lie. Like, the Denny stuff is kind of, I don't feel like it was as good of a payoff as it was hyped up to be. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of hard to judge this finale on a whole because parts of it were, like, gut-wrenching. Like, those first, like, ten minutes of the episode, like, holy shit. But no, then the rest absolutely. of it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, it's fine. Like, it was a really good episode, and there's some really good moments. But, like, as an overall finale, it, like, it just shifts so much. You notice how neither of us can say, we can't bring ourselves to say, like, the crucial bit of information that everybody's still digesting. Yeah. And we've had, like I said, again, we've had a lot longer to sit on this than everyone listening, and we still can't say it. We still can't. We haven't said it to each other. We didn't even text it when it happened. It was just, oh my god, like. Well, yeah. Ali, er, um, Ashley and I texted. Ashley texted it to me. She said the words, but like, we didn't. We were texting first because we saw it before you did. So, yeah, like she texted me and she was like, "Holy crap!" Like, I mean, I'm not gonna say because I can't say it, but like, we can't do it. I know it just is like it's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. So, I mean, I, don't, I feel like we don't even need to talk about the opening couple minutes. We just need to skip right to the big part. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's literally not even worth mentioning because, I mean. It, it's yeah. not. Just, yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm just going to up and say it. You ready? Yeah. I just. Ugh, it hurts. Okay. So. <laughs> 
Hank's waiting outside to hear word on Alinsky, and apparently there's no waiting room in whatever hospital they're in. They're at med. Are they at med? They're at med. And I guess since intelligence is in the waiting room, Hank doesn't want to wait with the team. No. Or I think they're probably in, like, maybe a general waiting room, and he's in, I don't know what kind of, like, a specific, like... He's in, like, a corridor. He's not in any sort of room. Yeah. But, I mean, after however many hours that have gone by, a random doctor that we don't know is leaving. And Hank just is like, can you update me about Alvin Alinsky? And he just looks at him and he's like, he didn't make it. I'm sorry. Uh. Uh. <laughs> uh I still, I, I'm, I don't know what to say. What? It's kind of crazy because Ashley's been calling it for weeks. Like, Ashley was like, I think he's going to, like, I think this is what's going to happen. But, like, part of me doesn't believe this is what's going to happen. And, like, we were like, no. Like, there's no, you know, like, he might leave. But, like, there's no way they're going to kill him off. We would have heard, yeah. Right. Like, you know, whatever. But Ashley's like, I mean, Ashley, I'll be honest, Ashley said it for like weeks. And then she was like, I honestly, she texted me. Because um, again, I watched it first, then Ashley watched it, and then Gina watched it. So Ashley and I were texting first before Gina had watched it. And Ashley was like, I've been calling this for weeks, but I really didn't think they were going to do it. Yeah. And she she has said it. And we were like, Ashley, come on. Like, you know the, how the three of us tick and how we'll just throw ridiculous theories out there sometimes just to make each other laugh or just to be like, haha, that's never going to happen. And Ashley has indeed been calling this for weeks. I didn't think they would do it. I thought they were. I I think it was kind of clear that Elias was going to leave, like that this was a storyline setting him up to leave. I didn't think that they were going to kill him off. I thought I he was going to, I don't know, like, even if it was he was going to be in prison, okay, fine. Um, you know, and just be in prison for, you know, he got a sentence of, like, I don't know how many years, because I don't know what the right, what the typical amount of years for that charge is. Um, so, but, like, say seven years. If he got a sentence for seven years, then okay, he's going to be in jail for seven years, and then we come back next season, and he might still be in jail, and he's just going to kind of be in jail forever and not yeah. be seen again. But I didn't think they were actually going to kill him off. No, I didn't either. There were there was no rumbling about this, no mention of it. But the minute we saw this screener, a lot of things about our interview with Patty made a lot more sense. Oh yeah, for sure. And you'll which have hopefully... to go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, no, was going to say, which hopefully by now you've listened to. And I was going to say, you're going to have to go back and listen to it. Because, yeah, yeah just go back and listen to it. There's a question that he can't answer. And if he had answered it in any sort of way at all, other than the way he answered it, he would have given it away. Yeah. And it's yeah. The, yeah, the last question you asked him. It is. Yeah. It's like, like... They concealed this the way Beyonce concealed lemonade. Like, they didn't say a word and just dropped it on the world. Yeah. You're like, this is serious, Gina. No Beyonce jokes right now. No, I know. I No, I, I'm just like, I still can't wrap my head around it. Like, No, what? I can't either. I can't either. And that's the first time I've, like, said it that Olinsky died. Yeah. 
and honestly, it doesn't compute. No, and I think the thing though is so the way that this is like broken in the episode, like honestly, I was in disbelief kind of the whole episode, and I really thought that like it wasn't going to turn out to be true because the way that the guy delivers the line. Like, it doesn't even make it seem like it's his doctor, first of all. It kind of makes it seem like it's just some random doctor who was back there, and Hank is just so desperate for information, he was going to ask whoever was the first person to walk through that door. And so the guy was just kind of like, oh, you know, he did like, I mean, he says it in some kind of a somber sense, but he's like, he didn't make it. But, like, I was like, my first reaction was, well, is this guy actually his doctor? Like, how much does he actually know about the situation? And then, like, you never technically see Al's body. And it was just, like I said, it's kind of said so nonchalantly, yet somber at first, that it just made me think it was, like, a ploy to mess with Denny the whole time. Like, I really did not believe until the very end, like, literally the very end. I mean, that last scene with Voight, when Voight is so upset and we're going to talk about it. But, like, Mm -hmm. that was when I was like, holy shit, he's actually dead. It still hasn't sunk in for me. Like, I haven't had that moment yet of, like, holy shit, Al is actually dead. That was it for me. Because I really thought, so, the, I mean, and granted, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but, like, I, it goes with this and it goes with my theory, so I'm going to talk about it for a second real quick now. But, like, the last scene with the car, when the car pulls up, and fuck, who is it? Um, shit. Is it, what's the judge, not the judge, the, um... What is that Are you guy? thinking of Osha? Yes. Okay. When he like shut like comes up in the car and Hank talks to him like on that dark street. Yeah. I really thought for a second because that's like right after Denny, like right after the Denny stuff. I really thought for a second that was gonna be Al, and like Al oh was gonna God. be okay. And I was like, whole, and I would have been like, holy shit. But like in that moment when it wasn't Al, and then the next scene is like the boy on the roof stuff. I was like, holy shit, he's dead. Like he's actually dead. I'm imagining that scene now, and instead of Katie, that Katie girl, it's Al, and like, don't do that to me, Bryna. Like, you're going to make me cry on the podcast, and it's just not going to be a good look. <laughs> but, like, that's honestly, like, that was my re- Like, th- that was what my thing, because like I said, I was like, he can't be dead. Like, he's not actually dead. Like, this is all just a ploy to mess with Denny. Like, he's not actually dead. And then, like, the episode's done, and he's dead, and I'm just like, holy shit. I'm, like, really sad now because I'm imagining that scene and it wasn't Al. And, like, oh, my God. Yeah, and it should have been Al. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, I'm just, I'm speechless. Uh, Yeah. I just can't form, like, coherent thoughts. I just have, like, random thoughts, but, like, nothing coherent. And, again, we've seen the episode. We saw it days earlier and we still haven't We've seen it twice. Like, we've both seen it twice. Yeah, oh my god, and it was hard to watch it the second time. So, yeah, yeah, just tweeting it tonight was not any easier. So, yeah. So, yeah, Voight is kind of stunned, just like we are right now. He rides the elevator down, he breaks it to the team, and it's all silent. And I always, I hate to make Harry Potter references because they go over your head, Bryna, but it makes me think of... Order of the Phoenix when Sirius dies and how the whole thing just goes silent. Like Sirius dies, he slips through the mirror, hey. and Harry, exactly, just yeah, 
Sirius dies. Harry's like screaming and Lupin holds him back, but it's all silent. Like, I think that was such a smart choice. Like, the silence really? works so well. See, and I, I feel like with that Harry Potter movie, especially, I feel like if they had left the sound in, it would have hit me in the feels even more. And I feel like that for PD, too. But, like, what would you have wanted? Like, it not, not, I understand it for the Harry Potter one just because of the scream. I mean, I haven't seen it, but that would make a little bit more sense. Like, because it's, like, you know, it would be, like, a blood-curling scream. But, right. like, what would you, I mean, what would you have wanted for this, like, to hear? Just, like, we would have heard Jay leave the room. We would have heard Atwater just kind of be, like, Oh, my God. We would have heard Platt crying. We would have heard Burgess crying. We would have seen and heard Upton doing whatever she was doing because she just kind of turned her back. You know. I don't know. I think for me, I think if nobody was going to like – I don't know. I think it worked well for this. No, and it did work. And I'm not complaining. I'm not like, oh, my God, that death scene would have been so much better. It was still – Impactful. Oh, my God. Yeah, so impactful. It was still like that. It's just, you know, that just kind of reminded me of Order of the Phoenix. But yes, no, still totally impactful. And all of what he does is shake his head. It's so understated. But a lot of the times when they do a lot of understated things, it drives it home so much more. And so, yeah. And I yeah. Mean, now that I'm just, I mean, and well, now I'm thinking about it too. Granted, you don't see it as much with PD as you do like, med, just because med is the medical show. Um, But, like, I think it – I think having them be silent in this moment, and like you said, having Voight just, like, kind of nod his – or, like, you know, shake his head and not hearing him say the words, like, you know, I'm sorry, you know, Al's dead. Um, I think it just kind of is a juxtaposition to when they deliver news to – you know, residents of Chicago and like mm-hmm. whether it's med and, you know, it's patients, families, or whether they're showing up to someone's house being like, I'm sorry, you know, whoever is passed. Like it's different because it's juxtaposed, it's juxtaposing it with someone they care about. And so when right. something that's happened to them versus something they do as a part of their job. So I think the silence right. is a good juxtaposition to be like, holy shit, this is different this time. Like this isn't part of our job. Like this is our family. Yeah. And I just, when the first time I watched it, when the doctor was like, he didn't make it at first, of course, I was like completely taken aback. But then Voight went and broke it to the team and they did a smart job of, you know, breaking it up and showing, you know, Voight kind of digesting the news and then Voight in the elevator so that by the time he got to the team, I was like, oh, my God, he still has to tell them. Yeah. And then it just kind of drove it home even more. And so, you know. Like I said, Voight shakes his head. Jay leaves the room. Um, Atwater's in disbelief. Atwater eventually goes after him, after Jay. He does leave the room after? Yeah. Atwater leaves okay. the room after Jay. Um, to go after know. Jay, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Good call. See, okay. Now, I watched this scene about four or five times, but I have a different reason for doing so. Um, yeah. And so Hank hugs Trudy. Antonio doesn't really know what to do. 
Burgess is like doubled over crying. And so the reason I've watched this five times is because A, I'm shameless and B, because Ruzik eventually walks over to console her. And like I said in the last PD episode, I will make a Burzik moment out of anything. But that one was an that was one that was so clear because, you know, I mean, at con Marina and Patty both had told us that, you know, they do things in the background you know, yeah. that shows still birds. I mean, that one's an obvious birdsing moment. That's not you trying to make anything like that is so noticeable. You think that was scripted or you think that was Patty? I think that was both of them. I think that was like their choice. I don't think that was scripted, but like it's obvious. Like that is not <clears throat> you grasping for just anything birdsing. Like that one's an obvious choice. Yeah. And maybe it is scripted, but I don't think that. I think that was the two of them. It's a fun game to play. Was it scripted or was it Patty and Marina? But yeah. then again, it could be scripted because, like, I don't know. I guess it depends on what was scripted in terms of, like, was Jay leaving the room scripted? Was Atwater going after him scripted? Like, if all of those actions are scripted, then obviously I think Burgess and Ruzix was. But if it was kind of just – if their direction was, like, play the scene out and kind of see how it goes and that's what happened organically, then, like, it was Marina and Patty's choice to, like, make that happen. Yeah, see, I feel like Jay's was probably scripted, but my reasoning is shit, so I just won't even divulge. It just has to do with my Canadian cop show that, yeah, whatever. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, um, Burgess cries, Ruzik consoles her. I watched it five times because I have no shame. Um, Hank hugs Trudy, and just everybody is just, yeah, yeah, I, it's crazy. So... They come back from the teaser and Voight is like, listen, I know we're all hurting, but, you know, he goes on this whole like pump up speech and he's like, the best way to honor Al is to find the son of a bitch responsible for this. And so he says a couple other things here that just kind of, I don't, I don't even, yeah. So I'm trying to like form thoughts here and it's just not going well. So he just says, he's like, listen, take all the time you need. And when it's over, when we've got this prick, then we'll mourn out. And then he goes on to say, he's like, just know that right now we've got some business to do. Full disclosure though, the minute that doctor said he didn't make it, I did not care about anything else. I didn't even want to go down the rabbit hole of a case. Yeah, no, I, yeah. No. Like, I don't care about who killed Al. I don't care about the case. I want to, like, I, I want to see intelligence dealing with their grief. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, it kind of bugged me because I get that Voight is feeling, like, automatically feels guilt because this is his fault, as he should, because it is his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but... And so, like, he feels like the best way, like he said, the best way to honor Al is to find the son of a bitch who is responsible for this. But, like, that shouldn't be anyone's first reaction. And that, they shouldn't be for, I mean, granted, we don't get to see whether or not that, how they felt. So, like, if they were, if intelligence was the ones that was like, no, we, we want to be here, we want to work, and then when we catch him, you know, we can mourn. Okay, fine. Because that is their choice. But Voight being like, no, you can't mourn until we find this bitch. I have an issue with that. Yeah, I had an issue with it because I was like, listen, Voight, just because that's the way you want to deal with this doesn't mean that that's the unit's way to deal with it. Right, and chances are that is the unit's way they want to start. At least they want to 
do that because I feel like that's everyone's reaction in movies and television when something goes wrong and they have a chance to, you know, like in this case, find the son of a bitch who did it. They typically tend to do that first and then mourn. But it's always their choice. Yeah. Intelligence didn't get that choice. And that's what bothers me is it was just Voight being like, nope, we're going to do this. And then you can go in your feelings. Yeah, same. That was that was my problem with it, too. I was like, just because everybody else or just because that's how you deal with grief, especially in this instance, when you're trying to numb yourself to the fact that, like, you know, doesn't mean that that's how the unit wants to deal with it. So, yeah, I was the same way. And the minute he said he's like, we've got work to do, I was like, no, we don't. I don't want to see this. I don't want you. I don't want you to catch the bad guy for once. For once, I want everybody to sit and wallow in their feels. Yeah. So I don't know. So intelligence sets up shop in the prison. Um, Haley and Burgess are in charge of obtaining better surveillance. And the guard, whose name is Dietz, tips Hank off to the, and I quote, Aryan skinhead who mixed it up with Voight, or not Voight, with Al in the last episode, a.k.a. the guy who looks like Hagrid, a.k.a. I still need to send you that picture, Bryna. Oh, I, I mean, I looked it up. Uh, it was who I was talking about. Totally accurate, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to keep it light. Just, like, <laughs> throw me a bone here. <laughs> then yes, of course, Gina, totally. We're still in shock about this whole thing. So, you know, we're trying just, yeah. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even know. <laughs> so, so the guard tips Hank off to the Aryan skinhead, and I quote, but the guy says, he's like, I'm not the guy who stabbed Al, but I wish I was because apparently cops come with a pretty high price tag in prison. And the only reason that I mentioned that is because Atwater kind of like approached the guy to be like, the fuck did you just say? And Voight held him back. So we kind of see throughout the episode that all of them are just really emotional about this whole deal, as they should be. Yeah. Yeah. So the only information this guy coughs up is that Al's killer is Latino. Yeah. He doesn't say it like that, but that's, yeah, that's what we get. So we get the surveillance footage. Ruzik kind of narrates it, and then he stops it right before the stabbing. And so he stops it, obviously, because nobody wants to see that. But then Hank is like, run it. And Adam hits play, but Adam hangs his head. Like, this is how he's dealing with it. He can't even bring himself to watch it. But just the fact that Voight makes them watch it, it's just, it's so brutal. I know. I agree. <sighs> like, we all know that fucking... <laughs> We all know that Alinsky was stabbed. They don't need to see it. Right. If Voight thinks he needs to see it because it's his fault and he's feeling guilty and blah, 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 that's Voight's issue. Mm -hmm. That is not the unit's issue. Don't put them through this shit. No, exactly. I mean, that hits the nail Ugh. on the head. I feel like he I feel like it's not intentional, though, that he's kind of dragging intelligence through his own feelings. I feel like it's not intentional. It's just kind of an unfortunate result of Voight being in charge of the unit. Also, listeners, Bren is face palming right now, uh. and I haven't seen her face in like a good 30 seconds. <laughs> I, I agree that I don't think it was intentional, but that still doesn't mean it's not a shitty situation. No, it's totally a shitty situation. There's nothing not shitty about this. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so Ruzik pulls up another angle and it turns out that Dietz is hiding behind a corner. And Burgess is just like, he's a coward. And this is another moment where if this show were on network or if the show were on cable, the, the, the swear words would have been flying and it would have been perfect. Um, yeah. And so Voight's like, that son of a bitch was in on it. And I'm over here in the living room like, I fucking called it. Like, and called it not, last week. And did not call it. Yeah. And so we find out that Dietz was paid $5,000 to turn a blind eye to a quote unquote beatdown by Andre Gomez. This was supposed to be a beatdown, as in nobody was supposed to die. They were just supposed to get the shit beat out of them. So it turns out that Voight then beats the shit out of him. Which I feel like if we rank all of the Voight beatdowns in PD history, this one was particularly awful. Yeah. And by him, you mean Andre. Andre, yes. Not. Shit, did I say Dietz? Why no, do you I didn't say it. That? You just say him, but like the way it kind of you took oh, okay. it, the transition, was, it could have been mistaken for Dietz, but Andre. Just making that yes, clear. No. We're talking Boyd about Andre. beats the ever-loving shit out of Andre. But this one was hard to watch. Like it was the really, second time through. Yeah. It was it was hard to watch the first time through. It they're always when it's not in the cage and it's not in the like interrogation room, it's hard to watch. Yes. Because it means that Voight isn't waiting around and Voight isn't take is taking no prisoners. And if you were if if Voight killed you because he beat you up and you didn't give him the information, then he don't fucking care. Right. You what know? particularly was what what in particular was unsettling about this to me was that I mean, the minute Voight got in there, he started beating his ass. And then he asked him for the information once. And the guy responded and he was like, you can kiss my Mexican ass. And of course, like Voight just like beat him up again. But he only gave him one opportunity to give the information and then just proceeded to just rail on him. Yeah. I mean, the part that bothered me the most about it is what we're going to talk about in a second. So... So outside, Antonio and Ruzik are, well, Ruzik's just chilling. He's just kind of eating an orange and, like, relaxing. And Antonio is like, that's enough. That This can't go on. And so Antonio and Ruzik just disagree whether to stop him. And in the middle of this, Voight opens the door. Now, Voight's bleeding as well, just not as bad as Gomez. And so Voight says, Voight's like, I interrogated the prisoner. He was not cooperative. I'm convinced he's involved. Antonio goes in, takes a look, and Andre is just lying in a puddle of blood. And Antonio's like, oh, for fuck's sake, Hank, what did you do? And so Voight tells him that he tried to choke him with his handcuffs, but Antonio just basically calls bullshit. And so Voight just says, he's like, if you don't believe me, then file a beef and get the hell off the case. Team Antonio. Yes. Oh, God, this is just so hard because I don't agree with Voight beating this guy to the extent that he did. I don't agree with that. And this guy lying in a puddle of his own blood. That is too much. But I can't even say that, like, this is not a time for Antonio to play this by the rules because of course it is. 
It's tough. I, the Voight and Antonio dynamic this season has fried my brain. I understand that it's not the time for Antonio to play it, but like you said, the dynamic has been, you know, it's gone through its ups and downs this season more so than ever, um, and especially recently. And I, Voight's tactics have always rubbed me the wrong way. But I think they're rubbing me the wrong way even more because of what happened. But because of the fact that Voight let Al take the fall for him for all the terrible things that Voight did, you know, Voight, and, you know, he let someone take the fall for something terrible that he did. And he's still going to continue to do terrible things as long as no one gets in his way. And I'm not okay, you know, like, I've never been okay with it. I mean, I've been okay with it to some extent. But, like, not this kind of shit. And, like, I'm not okay with it. I'm not And I don't want Antonio to compromise who he is as a cop. Because Voight is feeling... All of this, this entire episode, everything that Voight does, granted, it's not totally out of character, but it's all out of guilt. Yes. And so I don't want Antonio to compromise who he is as a cop because Voight is feeling guilty that he let his best friend of 30 fucking years die for what he did. Can I get an amen? A fucking men. (laughs) I'm not even going to say anything off of that because that is just the most excellent point ever. So I agree with every single bit of that. All of it. Everything you just said was perfectly spot on. Yeah. (laughs) I just... I'm more unsettled by this than I was by the time that Voight put the guy's face to the burner to find out who hurt Justin. Ooh, that was brutal. But I think this was more brutal. I had a harder time digesting this than I did that. Yeah. it's yeah it's just crazy i I, yeah so intelligence starts digging further into andre and voight asks kim to box up al's stuff oh my god i can't even gina i can't i know i know am i reading too much into it if i ask why kim because kim was his partner not at this moment but she was so is Adam. She was his most recent partner. That's fair. And I'll say this. I think Voight, now that Al is gone, Voight's biggest ally is Ruzik. And Ruzik is the only one who knew everything and has known everything the longest. And so I think if in that moment he was probably – said Kim just because I mean it couldn't have been Ruzik just because chances are he's probably relying on Ruzik the most in this episode do you think he's gonna rely on Ruzik the most now going forward we're gonna get there I I don't know what I think about going forward yet oh my god yeah so meanwhile somewhere else in Chicago Osha meets Denny and suggests building a case around Voight So 
me get a couple of details here. Just, you know, OSHA just says he's like, most of the evidence against Voight is circumstantial. But there also just so happens to be a new witness in town. So Denny, being the creeper that he is, is like, I need her information. And OSHA's like, oh, hell no. No. So then we cut to Denny and the witness meeting for coffee because this is totally not suspicious at all. Yeah, so she was dating Bingham at the time and the night of the murder, they were just kind of up and getting stoned. A cop cop stormed in. She recognized him from TV because he was the one who had just lost his son. And he grabbed, or yeah, he grabbed Kevin, but she didn't see what happened after that. That's the gist of her story. The only thing is that she tells Denny that she's not going to talk unless she gets paid $20,000. So meanwhile, in the bullpen, Andre's lawyer's name is Fidel Castro. So this supremely dumb criminal has a real name of Alberto Flores. What's interesting in this scene, so they go to Flores's house, but Voight takes Upton, Antonio, and Ruzik, which is like a very interesting roster if you really think about it. So Voight and Ruzik are the ones who bust into this apartment. Flores goes and tries to escape out the back. So when he goes through the window, Upton's right there and Antonio's behind her. As in Upton and Antonio, our little rule followers, are the ones outside. And so the minute that Flores is apprehended, Voight's like, we're good. We don't need you guys. Upton and Antonio, you're done. And Antonio's like, are you sure? And the only way this could have been better it would have been if Voight had shut the window in their faces. That, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what I was just saying about Ruzik is Voight's biggest ally is Ruzik. Yeah. I see that now. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I just because when I think of Voight's number two, I always think of Antonio, even ahead of Al. And he so is I- in terms of rank. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, I guess seniority, although even over, yeah. I mean, Antonio is definitely the one with the most, like, higher rank. But, like, yeah, in terms of personal feelings and in terms of who he trusts, I don't think Antonio's up there. I don't. And then things happen that say that I do. And just... It just depends on what day it is, what, like, the relationship between Antonio and Voight. Yeah. And it's frustrating as hell. But that's beside the point. So, yeah, they go back inside, or Voight and Ruzik go back inside with Flores. And after Flores makes a smart-ass remark, Voight goes full Tanya Harding and takes a baseball bat and just, like, clubs him in the back of the leg. Yep. Full Tanya Harding. Uh, so basically Voight backs him up against a wall all the while making terrible baseball metaphors because basically he's got the baseball bat and every time that Flores won't talk he like swings it and he's like that's strike one that's strike two it's like not now with the dad jokes Voight just not now so he backs him up against a wall until Carlos or not Carlos Flores finally coughs up a Carlos de Leon so we find the connection and the connection here is that DeLeon is a member of the Cali cartel. Back in the day, Olinsky was loaned out to a DEA task force. Now, this task force was targeting DeLeon. So the feds got the little brother for speeding and for possessing like a shit ton of weapons. 
and they locked him up trying to get him to flip. Now, Atwater's like, well, that just sounds like completely run of the mill until Jay says, yeah, until the little brother died in prison. So DeLeon ordered a hit on Al. But like, let that sink in for a second, because Al should have never been in prison. So if Hank had owned up to what he'd done, Al wouldn't have just been there like a sitting duck. Yeah, I will also say, too, now, like this is I mean, obviously, this is the story like this is it kind of underwhelming for how Al dies. Like why the reason he gets stabbed. Like, I thought it was going to be a much more grand thing. And you're telling me that the reason Al dies is because of something that happened, like, essentially, like, 20 fucking years ago. And is now coming to play. Like you said, because Al ends up in prison because of what Hank did. Like, it just, it's so circumstantial on the fact that if, like you said, if Hank owns up what he did, then Al never goes to prison. I don't know. It just... It was just, in the moment, it was a little underwhelming. I felt that way, too, at first. But then the more I thought about it, the more tragic it seemed to me. It was that everything that happened to Al was a consequence of Hank's actions. Every single bit of it. I think the thing, though, is, like, that's how it's been, though, for, like, four episodes. Like, that's not surprising. That's not news. Yeah. So, like, the, I think, I don't know. It just, the way Hank, not the way Hank died, the way Al dies is like, it's just underwhelming. And I I mean, I don't want him to die anyway, but like, they chose to stab him nine times. And then the reason he gets stabbed is just like so underwhelming. It's like, okay, well, like. Well, the reason he gets stabbed is because. Go ahead. No, I'm not telling you this. You're not gonna Tell like me what? you're not liking me. I have a theory of a better way for Al to die in prison, and it's not good. Now you have to say it. Fuck! Why did I just think this? Holy shit! Well, now you have to say it. Okay. What if he? What if he takes this? Okay. What if not stabbing aside? Stabbing doesn't happen. What okay. if he? You know, he's kind of just accepted his fate. And what if he decides to go and pull a Dan Scott? And kill himself? Oh my god, that's dark. I know, I don't know why I thought that. But why would he do that? If he's innocent. Again, I don't, I don't know. Because he's accepted his fate. And that Hank Floyd fucking wins. And that he will never be. Oh, fucking! Now, for hey, the record, wait. Dan Scott did not actually kill himself. No, I know he for, tried yeah. to, though. Yes, but oh, I told you he I was didn't never ta- mad at Hank about this. Though I know. that's the other thing that just blows my mind. Al was never mad at Hank. I know, but that's I think part of the reason why it could have happened that way is that he just kind of accepted his fate because he was never mad at Hank. He just kind of accepted that this was always what was going to happen. That if it ever came down to Hank possibly getting in trouble, that he was always, you know, and he was involved somehow, that Al was always going to take the rap. And he was going to let things happen the way they happen and let the chips fall the way they fall. 
And that was, you know, if he ended up in prison, then he ended up in prison because that was what was supposed to happen. And so, you know. Hmm. Uh, we were just talking about how I thought the death was underwhelming and him, if the stabbing never happened and he chose to do a dance got, then that would have been a more not underwhelming way. See, I don't find it underwhelming, but I'm wondering. I don't think I'm just rationalizing that because the whole idea of this being so tragic is that Al should have never been there in the first place. If Al never goes to prison, DeLeon never gets tipped off. DeLeon never settles the grudge against Delinsky that he's had for X amount of years. It's that Hank's actions put him in this horrible situation. Yeah, I don't know. I think just for me, it's underwhelming because, again, that point had already been made to me that Mm -hmm. if, you know if Hank had owned up to his actions that Al would never have been up in this place. Like I didn't need this fake story of the cartel thing that happened back in the day to make that point known to me and make that have an impact on me. Hmm. That's why it's underwhelming. Hmm. So intelligence goes to DeLeon's house, which I'm like almost positive is Derek Key's house from 301. I thought that too, but I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I don't either, but it's like a big, beautiful house. I feel like I read or heard somewhere that they don't tend to go back to the same locations. That's good to know. I don't think so. So, Because I don't want to see Derek Keyes' house ever again. Nope. Nope. No, too many bad memories of 301. Nope. Yeah, nope, 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 nope. So they meet DeLeon's wife, and she is just a peach. Fuck her. Yeah, she's a fucker indeed. Brenna, do you want to take it from here? You're quite salty. I feel like this will be good. Uh, okay. So they meet DeLeon's wife and Voight just like barges in and she's like, you don't have a right to be here. Voight's like, you've got one chance to cooperate. Tell me the fuck what, you know, what I want to know. And she's like, or what? You're going to hit me? And then Burgess stopped. Like, because Voight probably, if we didn't gotten a chance to respond, he would have been like, yeah, I would. You think? Boy, don't mess around. Burgess stops him, though, and suggests that she and Haley talk to her. And Boyd's like, that's a good idea. But, of course, Burgess ends up slapping the wife in the kitchen. They take her in the kitchen, and Burgess ends up slapping the wife. And she's like, you listen to me, you bitch. And she's just, she's grown so much. She really has. Um, And so, and they even have this whole thing where they bring in hit the wife's mom who is clearly here illegally and so they threaten to you know get her deported if they don't you know she doesn't own up and say what she knows and so basically she ends up coming you know confessing and turning on her husband she says you know de leon's cousin picked him up an hour ago they were en route to the furniture warehouse so at the warehouse you know everyone kind of splits up in different things Everyone at some point, at one point it's Voight and Antonio and Voight tells Antonio, they hear something and Voight's like, Antonio, you go that way. And of course, literally pointing Antonio in the opposite direction of the action because he sees DeLeon up on the roof. So mm-hmm. he follows DeLeon to the roof. And DeLeon has had his hands up the entire time and pretty much begs, begs Voight not to shoot him. But what does Voight do? He shoots him. 
toy. See, I'm I usually try to play devil's advocate in instances like these on PD, and I'm like, okay, well, there's both sides of this, but literally, like. I feel like Deleon was about to get on his knees and he had his hands up the entire time so that when Voight fired the first shot, I was like, that was not necessary. No. At all. No. The whole thing was not necessary. And so then the camera pans over to reveal Antonio, who, you know, found them, whatever. And Voight swears that Deleon was reaching for a gun, the gun on, you know, his waistband. And so Antonio goes over, bends down. The guy did have a gun on his waistband, but... Thank God. You know, thank God. Um, but the whole thing is that there are two workers who I guess are on the roof next to them or whatever who start yelling over there. Like, they're like, dude, you know, he had his hands up the entire time. You shot him. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And Antonio's just kind of like, what the fuck just happened here? Like, yeah. So then we're back at 20, you know, we're back at the 21st. And the unit asks Antonio, like, you know, they're like, what happened? And Antonio's like, I can't confirm or deny what you saw. Like, what I saw, you know, I didn't see anything, you know. That's the problem. And Ruzik is pissed because Ruzik, you know, Ruzik thinks that it's Antonio turning on the unit, not just Voight, but the entire unit by not sticking up for Voight. And so Antonio's like, watch yourself. And Ruzik's like, watch, like, what? Like, what? And he's like, I'm, he says, watch yourself. Yeah, I typed that wrong. Sorry, I couldn't tell what he said. He's like, watch yourself. I, like, I'm right here. You know, come at me. Um, it's just. <sighs> but I'm still I'm still Antonio. Look what I just changed it to in the outline. Stop. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't resist. For anyone who is listening and doesn't, can't obviously see what Gina just changed it to, she changed (laughs) Ruzik's line to go brook yourself. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. I'm good, I'm good. I originally meant to cut that out, but I guess we won't. (laughs) Sorry. I just, I needed to laugh. I'm sorry. Ruzik (laughs) hated on lawyers in this scene, okay? I was kind of like... But back to... Back to the serious moment here, Gina. I'm still like Anto- like I'm on Antonio's side. Like, what is he supposed to do? Right? He's. I mean, he's covering his own ass in that instance. But like, what? Yeah. Like, I mean, as much as I think I, you know, like I understand where Ruzik's coming from, and I understand that it looks like he's betraying the team. It's not betraying the team, and I wouldn't even say. I mean, it's not betraying the team. It's the truth as to what happened. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, but I feel I think like Anto- if- I think somebody has to be. I think Antonio obviously sees himself as the moral compass. I mean, everyone kind of sees Antonio as the moral compass. And Antonio, I feel like, feels that if he doesn't do it, like, they, he knows that they're not going to get that kind of example from Voight. And... You know, everyone else in the unit. And he has to do what he, you know, whether it's always totally by the book or, like, just something, you know, that is morally right. He has to do what he feels is right. And, you know, he wants to give the pe- everyone else in the unit a different avenue if they don't want to do what Voight does. And right. be a cop like Voight. Yeah. I completely get what Antonio is doing here is because, you know, if a work spat like this were to pop up in my real life, 
I would definitely do everything I could do to preserve my job. But I don't even think Antonio's thinking about it as preserving his job. I think he's... Antonio's just thinking about what's right. Right. I don't think that's crossed his mind at all. I think he just thinks about what am I supposed to do is like, what am I supposed to do? Like, uh, you know, I can't say... Like, Boyd killed the guy for no reason. I mean, not for no reason, but, you know, for no reason. Well, and you know, the other thing that I found interesting about that was that when Voight fires, obviously the camera's on him, right? What if they were pulling the kind of thing that they pulled on us with fire last week with the whole fact that Colonino had gone back in for Herman? We didn't see it, though. What if DeLeon had actually reached for his gun, but we didn't see it? But there are witnesses, I think if there was That's no true. witnesses and that are yeah. saying that, hey, he didn't reach for his gun, then, yeah, I think you would make that argument. But the fact that there's witnesses, I don't think that's the case. That's a good point. I take it back. But, yeah. So then we go back to Denny. And Denny's meeting with the witness again. And this time, you know, Denny's just – he's a little paranoid and he, you know, but he basically – ends up bribing the witness and tells her to change her testimony. He's a lot paranoid. Yeah. And so then we go to Denny's house and Hank comes over and he turns out he does indeed have dirt on Denny. Oh my God. What is with my typing tonight? I couldn't do it. I I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't let it stop. I wrote, turns out he does indeed have dirty on Denny. Yeah. But anyway, So Denny planted a gun on an innocent man when they were partners and Voight couldn't abide. Um, That's finally, not dirt, but I guess we finally learned the basis of the dispute between these two or the dislike between these two. Right. And so Voight says Denny doesn't understand the difference between dirty and necessary. Um, And Voight says, you know, like I... Gina, what is your typing? I said I thinned the herd for the greater good. Is that the right? That's what. Did I not spell something right? No, I just, I couldn't remember if that was the line. It doesn't sound right to me, but I guess it is the line. Oh, yeah. No, Voight says that he's like, he's like, I thinned the herd what for the, the greater good. What does that good. mean? That means he's, I mean, the metaphor is like the herd of, you know, sheep or farm animals. And so yeah, he thins the herd as in he weeds them out. Oh. For the greater good. So he gets rid of the particularly heinous. Wait, now is not the time to be all poetic and shit. <laughs> not cool. Um, I mean, it makes sense, though. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it completely makes sense. And it talks a good deal as to who Voight is at the core of everything. Because he does say he's like, I'd never go after innocent people. But I'm, well... No, I kind of disagree, though, because he's got the upper hand here. We just don't know it yet. Yeah. So to the naked eye, no, it's definitely not the time to get poetic and shit. But he's got something up his sleeve. Yeah. And basically what Gina's alluding to is as their conversation goes on, we start to see flashing red and blue lights behind Voight's head outside. And, you know, turns out Denny... Was caught red-handed and, you know, Voight showed his hand and, you know, he baited him. Like, he was successful. He got Denny. Which, 
I feel did did you feel like this was anticlimactic as well? How did you feel about this about Denny's takedown? Oh, it was so anticlimactic. You think? Yeah. Like I just expected it to be more of a hoopla. Like I didn't expect the way Denny gets taken down with them just sitting like, you know, right in front of each other, you know, like on a couch and a chair in Denny's living room. It's like them having a conversation and then the police show up. Like, I thought it was going to be much more of, like, these kind of epic, not necessarily a chase scene, but, you know, like, these epic scenes mm-hmm. that we see on PD. I, like, I thought it was going to end, like, in that kind of dramatic fashion, and it didn't. I see it more from a strategic standpoint, I think, because Voight kind of waited and then exploited a weakness when it popped up. Because in this scene, he says, he's like, Denny, like, you've never looked out for the city of Chicago. You've only ever been out for yourself. And he got the opportunity to exploit that. And he did by showing, like, you bribed the witness to make yourself look good and take me down. Yeah. No, I mean, I get it. But, like, I just, I don't know. I still think it was anticlimactic. I could see that. In comparison, I just, I don't know. I feel like it's been hyped up literally for 21 episodes. Right. And, like, it, like I said, it ends in a conversation. Like, I don't know. I, I, maybe I just had too high of expectations. No, I don't think that. I don't think that. I, I like that Voight took him down intellectually instead of, you know, physically or something like that. I do like that, but. No, I don't think you over. I don't. I don't think you expected too much. I think you know it's just different strokes. People feel differently about it. I liked it. I had to think it through because at first I was like, "This kind of sucks," but I thought it through because he, if he was partners with Hank, obviously he got a damn good idea of how Hank ticks, you know. So he had a good idea of how to play the game with Voight, but in the end, Voight outsmarted him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah. Yeah. So basically then the episode ends with Hank drinking and crying on the roof of a building. And he's just like, I'm so sorry, Al. And I, you know, I, I, I'm so sorry. One of my favorite things about screeners, I'll throw this in quickly. So one of my favorite things about screeners is that it's not always the 100% finished version. So in fire screeners, the alarm voice is a man. I feel like I can say that because it doesn't give anything away, right? It when is? When they get called – yeah, when they get called out, it's it's like a man's voice. It's like, yeah. In all of them? In the ones we've seen this season. I've never – I mean, I think I've noticed it once, but I don't think I ever noticed that it was all of them. Yeah, and so in this screener in particular, when Voight's just kind of like not really standing on the edge of the roof, but he's like close to the edge of the roof, you clearly see his harness. Clearly. Did you catch that or am I the only one? No, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I caught it. Um, That's one of my favorite things about screeners, but it's not relevant right now. It's funny because, again, I was texting with Ashley before like you had watched it. And mm-hmm. I told Ashley in terms of this scene, I really thought Voight was going to jump. I contemplated it for a second. I really thought for a second that that was going to happen. And like that was going to be the cliffhanger? Mm-hmm. Man. Because we've talked about it before. He's lost everybody. He everybody. has 
nobody. He has not, like, what is he? What? Yeah, like, what is he? Yeah, I. He's got Trudy, and that's it. Yeah, I. Yeah. He's not going to lean on the unit. He's not going to lean on Trudy either. He's not, no. But Trudy's going to be like, listen, fucker, I'm here for you. Maybe. I Yeah, I just, yeah. This scene in particular, because it ends with a whole sequence of Wait just kind of, you know, letting out his grief on this rooftop. It was perfect, but it also missed the mark at the same time. Because... I wanted to see the whole unit deal with this, not just Voight. Yeah, I agree. I think this scene was great, though, and I think this is Jason Begay's best scene of the series. Like, I think it was so well done on his part, and I think if you could win an Emmy for one scene in one episode, then Jason Begay deserves it. I'll agree. Yeah, I agree with that. But I do agree. I wish there was a little – and I think this is just because Voight kind of has always run me the wrong way that I wish I – and I care a little bit – I care more about everyone else in the unit than I do about Voight that I wanted to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I was almost expecting that we would see Voight – or not Voight. I was almost expecting we would see Olinsky's funeral at the end, which was naive of me. But <laughs> – I wanted to see more of the unit as a whole dealing with it instead of just Voight. But I understand why they focused solely on Voight because his actions, his decisions, and his decisions and actions alone are what got us to this point. Yeah. I mean, Al could have said no to moving the body, but then that would have left Aaron alone. Mm-hmm. I, you know... There's all sorts of what ifs, but the biggest question I have here now, where do we go from here? I don't know. I, I You said it in your teaser post that, you know, intelligence will never be the same and they won't. No, this has changed intelligence as we know it forever. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, yeah. I don't, I still, and I said in my Caesar post, I don't know, you know, like as of writing that, I had no idea what was happening. And as of talking to this, as of talking about it right now, I don't know what to say. Like, I, yeah. So let me start here and I'll just throw a bunch of questions out at you. That's just, this is just kind of like whatever questions are coming to my head. What is your opinion about killing off Olinsky? Because Obviously, we haven't seen the social media reaction yet, but I have a good, strong feeling it's not going to be positive. What are your opinions and the decision to kill Alinsky? I mean, I don't like we said earlier, I don't like the fact that they chose to kill Alinsky because I don't like that. Um, I do think it was obvious that Elias was going to leave because, you know, we haven't really seen Elias get the stuff that he was getting in seasons one through three um, mm-hmm. over the past couple seasons. And I think it had just gotten to a point where they clearly have chosen to focus on telling different stories and not so much about Al. And so, like, I get the choice that Al is – no like, I understand the choice and I'm okay with the choice 
of Al exiting, I'm not okay with the choice of them choosing to have Al exit through death. If that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I'm typically very against character deaths because it's typically in my opinion a cop-out yeah and i always think back to the oc when they killed marissa because they're like there was literally nothing left for her to do i'm like that's not how life works like yeah that's ridiculous i'm typically very against it in this instance i agree with you that elias was not getting much screen time i feel like this is going to do quite a bit to drive story forward I'm not often a fan of killing a character for the sake of moving everybody's stories forward, however. Yeah, me either. But, yeah, I just, I'm not vehemently against it. I'm also not for it at all. I'm just kind of, I feel like I'm kind of neutral about this one. Like, it's heartbreaking. I think it's really going to come, like, I think it's something we're going to have to evaluate next season. Like, I don't think you're going to, like, I don't think now we can say whether... And this sounds bad, but, like, whether it was worth it or not until you see what season six looks like and how it plays out so, for the first couple of episodes. So you're – I mean, you basically just say you're, – you're basically just saying, like, you know, like, the – we won't know the full impact until next season. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I mean, just thinking through, you know, everything here. So – Voight's going to be consumed by guilt, presumably. And if he's not, then we've got a whole other issue on our hands. Yeah. I mean, Antonio's going to be conflicted. Do you think they jump forward? Yes. How far do. do you think they jump forward? Not very much, but I don't think we see Alinsky's funeral. Oh, shit. I know. No, I would want to see that too. Do we see Meredith again ever? When Hank's on trial. Dun dun dun. I'm, when Hank's yeah. on trial. Because she's going to be like, you fucking deserve this. I've been saying this for years. You fucking deserved it, you asshole. Mm-hmm. You think that they would try and open up that case again against Hank? Well, whether he's... I'm not saying that's that case. Just they'll find something else to hang him up for. I mean, he's he, they deser- could hang... Yeah. Yeah. He's he's void. Of course they're going to find... They're going to be able to find something else at some point. Well, we also can't forget about Deleon. There's two witnesses. Yeah. And I mean, that I mean, wouldn't surprise me. Now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if that is, you know, there's two witnesses. They've, they've gone to the media. Like, it's not a secret. Um, and so I wonder if Voight goes to trial for that. And my my whole thing about season six, and something this is something as soon as I've seen this whole thing, when I talk about the dynamic splitting, I, for whatever reason, and whether it's the Daily on murders or whatever, I kind of envision... Hank having to step down, whether it becomes momentarily or for a very long period of time or whatever. And Antonio is the one that's going to be put in charge. And Antonio is going to be the one that steps in. And, you know, Antonio is going to be the one that's running this unit. That's what I want to see. Like, that's what I'm ready for. And then everyone in the unit kind of having to go through this thing of, like, do we follow Antonio because he is now the leader? Do we turn our backs on Antonio because he went against Voight because chances are Antonio's going to have to testify 
in that case because Antonio was on the roof at that point. And whether Antonio says to decides to turn on Voight or not, I don't know. But if he does, then Antonio has to deal with the backlash from the unit because he turned on their once leader. And if that happens and Antonio, so to say, loses the locker room, that's just going to create a world of hurt for intelligence. Yep. Hence why I said the dynamics and intelligence have shifted and it can never be the same. It really can never be the same. I feel like Ruzik's loyalty towards Voight is strengthened. I feel like Upton's probably as well, just because to Voight? Sort of starting toward Upton. I feel like Ruzik's loyalty to Voight is strengthened. Right. I think that he's. But yeah. no, no, no. I get I think, that Upton's. Upton's loyalty to Voight has strengthened is what you're arguing. I think maybe because we saw towards the end of the season that she started to understand how they ticked. And it may not have been from Voight himself. I feel like she might have learned that lesson from Platt. Because I'm going to take that deleted scene as canon. I Okay, I agree with that. I agree that she's seen how they tick. I don't agree that that means that her loyalty to Voight has strengthened. Just because she's learned how they tick does not mean she is loyal to him. It just means she That's knows fair. how to play the game so that she still has a job and she can still get what she wants, her version of justice done. But that does not I, mean she's loyal she's, to Voight. Because I don't think Maybe that's she's the case. more like middle of the road. She's not quite on one side like Antonio, but she's more like middle of the road, you think? I'd argue she's, if she's middle of the road, I think you're arguing, I think we're both arguing that she's middle of the road. I think you're arguing that she skews more towards Voight, and I would argue she skews more towards Antonio. Like, if there are two sides of the scale. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, the more I think about this, the more, I mean... It seems to me like they're almost setting up a Voight versus Antonio dynamic. For I think season they have six. to. Oh. Like, I don't see what else they're going to do. Like, I don't think they have these last two episodes if that's not the case. It's possible. I think you're... Oh, why don't you pay attention to fucking Marvel? We're literally getting a Captain America Civil War. Have you, did you I, see I that, that one? movie already happened. It, it did. Okay. No, I haven't seen it, but I can. This is literally the intelligence unit. Oh, my God. This is a great analogy. The intelligence unit is the Avengers. And then in Captain America Civil War, the Avengers kind of fall apart. And we've got Captain America versus Iron Man. And they still, to this day, I'm about to spoil Infinity Wars. They still have not resolved their issues. So we've still got Captain America versus Iron Man and kind of the team of Avengers that the two decide against side with one or the other. Okay. Get Melanie to listen to this. She'll bat me up on this. I was about to say I'm gonna see Melanie this week, so I'll ask her about uh I'll ask her about it and I'll tell her to listen to this episode. Hey Mel. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that is uh, we've literally got an Avengers situation going on here. Noted. Noted. And I think if we're talking about, though, back to the intelligence unit, I think the only one that truly sides with Antonio is Jay. Mm. I could see that. No way in hell is Jay siding with Floyd, I don't think. I'm thinking about this. I don't think so. Hmm. Because... 
I agree with you that he would side more with Antonio, but at the it does okay. Jay's not near. I cannot form coherent thoughts right now. I agree with you. I just can't find a good way to word my reasoning. So Antonio brought him into the unit. Antonio did bring him into the unit. We've never had an instance where Jay has been like, listen, Voight, your methods are whack, but I see why you do it. Have we ever had a moment like that? No, Jay just says your your methods are whack. And why the fuck are you doing them? Yeah, because I feel like even when they did have drinks in season one and Voight tried to reason with him, I feel like Jay still didn't compute. But Jesse argues that he does. That that was like the scene. Okay. I mean, Jesse knows more about Jay than we do, as much as we hate to believe that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I know. I, I. What about Burgess? Where do you think she falls? I think she's middle of the road skewing towards Voight. I think that's. And the, I, think yeah, I think Atwater right. would be the same. Middle of the road skewing towards You could even argue Atwater is straight middle of the road. No skewing. But like, yeah. Wow. I mean, this literally changes the entire dynamic and intelligence. Like you said. Yep. So here's another question for you. Do they replace Alinsky? I have a what if here. It's a little out there, but I like Not it. Not right away. Because I think if they do, we, I think if we show up in season six, episode one, and there's a new character, it kind of, fans are not going to react well to that. And I think it cheapens everything. What if it's not a new character? As in, what if they get a new desk sergeant and they move plot upstairs? I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. I also just don't know. Is Amy Morton technically a main character? She's not, is she? I think so. You're asking if she's considered a series regular? Yeah. I don't know. To the Google. Let's find out. Like, I, I would hope so. She might, I feel like she was in earlier seasons, but I feel like she isn't now. Oh, that would be a bummer. Let's see what Google says. Well, like in the earlier season, she, you know, had, yeah. I think I would consider her a series regular, though. The, I mean, I feel like it's single digits, the amount of episodes that she hasn't been in. She's in every episode. If, no, she's you know, not. not. She's in just about every episode, though. It's like maybe one or two that she hasn't been in. But, like, barely. That's just my what if, and it no, could but be really she's, ridiculous. No, but she's but like, when, when she's in an episode, it's like, she was in this episode for the waiting room scene, and when she yells at them to break it up, and that's it. Like, she has, like, one line in episodes, which is why, even though she might be in every episode, she's not really in every episode. But do you see why I might consider her a series regular? It's because she's in every episode. Just about. I don't know. I... I don't know. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. It's just 
Yeah. I. Yeah, so I'm looking on IMDb now, and it's got her credited in 105 of 106 episodes. So. Yeah. I don't know. Just, yeah, there's just so much that, like... There's so much to process. I feel I still feel like I probably have more questions that like I'm not thinking of, but I agree with you that if they do replace Alinsky, it's not going to be immediately. No. If it is If they were to replace her, I would like to see it be another female. If they were to replace him, I'm sorry. I'm not even there yet. <laughs> Yeah, it's that's true. That's true. Just what a way to end the season. You know what else I do want to talk about, which is something I brought up to you, I want to say last night, is that we've discovered a very unsettling pattern with PD. Oh, yeah. I told you to mention that. So in the odd-numbered seasons, somebody dies. And in the even-numbered seasons, somebody leaves. That is what we have deduced. So next season, somebody will leave or somebody will threaten to leave. And in season seven, we will have to worry all over again because somebody will die. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I don't like this pattern. Yeah, you figured it out. I don't like it. I don't like it. Your fault. It is my fault. It's very much my fault. (laughs) So, yeah. Um. Bryna, any parting thoughts? Any overall thoughts? Any? Are we gonna eventually? I mean, I are we gonna eventually talk about the seasons as a whole, or is this where we're doing that now? Either one, we can. I don't know if I'm ready one. to Whatever talk you about the do. whole season now. I think we should do like an episode on that and like talk about kind of reflecting on all three seasons. Okay, that's perfect. We can do that because I don't know if I have but... all my coherent thoughts to talk about this entire season of PD as a whole. It's just kind of crazy that, like, it's over. Like, that's it for PD. That is it for PD. Wow. And I just, I'm shocked. Like, what a way to go out. Yeah. I'm just shocked. Yeah. I, yeah. So, I mean, I have no coherent thoughts. Like, I can't form sentences. I'm just so surprised. I didn't think they were going to go that route. And every time that Ashley said it, we were like, mm, probably not. Mm, yeah. So that's about all we've got for Chicago PD for season six. Five. Season five. Let me say that one more time. <laughs> that's about all we've got for Chicago PD season five. Yeah. Where did, where did this season go? I don't know. I, I don't know. So, as always, Shyhards, I don't like that this feels like I'm, like, signing off for PD for, like, the final time. Because I'm not. I mean, all over hiatus, we're going to cover old episodes and all sorts of crazy shit. And like Brenna just said, we're going to do, like, season recap episodes. Um, Yeah. So, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Especially now, we want to hear from you. That finale was bananas. So instead of taking your rage out on Twitter, don't take your rage out on us, but like tell us how you feel because we want to know. 
Um, but yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, it's meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. It's meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. We have a website, meet us at Molly's.com. You can also follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. Ashley is at Ashnick095. That's Nick and I see no K. And that is all we've got. So we will see you guys on Monday for the Chicago Fire finale. We'll see you on tomorrow for this week's med. We will also see you tomorrow for this week's med. Sorry, guys. Um, Yeah, so we will see you then. Bye.